All right, folks, we are looking at Lesson 12 today. We're going to continue in our discussion of marriage and singleness. So this will be part two. We're going to focus in on 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through the end of the chapter, verse 40. And so Paul is going to continue in his discussion. Now, in the first section, verses 17 to 24, we're going to see that Paul diverts away from marriage and singleness by, it seems, going to another completely different topic. But what we're going to see is actually it's a topic that's connected to the overall issue of marriage and singleness. So here's what Paul writes in verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. All right, so he's going to talk about God's calling here. And I know what you're saying, George. What, what does this really have to do with the issue of marriage and singleness? Well, let's take a look at what he's saying here. So in verse 17, he's going to give us a general principle. And basically, Paul called them to live out their lives where God has placed them. That's what he means, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. You and I are called to live out our lives. We're called, to be honest with you, to be content with where God has placed us. So when we're talking about calling here, he's actually talking about contentment. Now here's the application. Whether circumcised or not, you're to remain as you are. So remember, the Corinthian church would be made of both Jews and Gentiles. So the Jews would be circumcised. And the Gentiles, of course, would be uncircumcised. And so he's saying, stay in that condition. If you are circumcised, don't try to remove the scars of circumcision. Don't act like you're uncircumcised. And if you are uncircumcised, don't seek to be circumcised so that you can be like the Jew. So he's saying, you are to remain as you are. What's really the issue here? Well, that's what he brings out in verse 19. The issue is not external actions, but obedience to God. That's what he says here in verse 19. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. It's not our external actions, but 
keeping the commandments of God. It's really our obedience. So it's not our outward actions, but our obedience to God's word, which comes from our inward reality of who we are as a person in Christ. Because let's be honest, you can act right. You can do all the right things and still not be the right kind of person, still not be saved, still not be a believer. So then that brings us to verse 20, where he restates the principle. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. What's the restatement of that? Paul stresses that they are to remain where God has placed them. And he said, okay, George, I understand that. I understand he's talking about content with where we are in life. What does this have to do with the issue of marriage and singleness? Well, we're going to see that here in a moment. So let's finish up talking about this whole issue of God's calling and our contentment with that. Look, he gives us another application in verses 21 to 22. And it would be fulfilling for him to use this illustration because some of the people in that congregation of Corinth would have been slaves or bond servants, which is a slave. So here's what he says. So a Christian's vocational situation is a matter of little consequence. Look at what he says here. Were you a bondservant when called? So were you a bondservant when you got saved? Don't be concerned about it. That's not going to affect anything. Be content with where you are. But he said, but if you could gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. But if you could change that circumstance, go ahead and do that, Paul says. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man in the Lord. So even though you might be a slave, To the Lord, you're a freed man. So he's saying your situation and your vocation really has nothing to do with it. Here's the reality, verse 23. Here's what he says in verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. Don't become slaves of men. So Paul stresses the fact that they have been bought by Christ. We They, including you and I, belong to Jesus Christ because he bought us with the price. What price, George? The price of his sacrifice on the cross, his blood, his death. We were bought with Christ, bought by Christ. So again, he then gets to verse 24 to restate the entire principle again. Here it is. Again, Paul stresses that we should be content where God has placed them. So brothers... In whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. So the reality is be content with where you are. Now you're saying, okay, George, what does this have to do with marriage and singleness? It actually has a lot to do with marriage and singleness. It has to do with you being content with where you are. So for a single person, be content, he says. Now, if you can't handle that, he's going to tell us that here in a moment then get married. But if you're married, be content with where you're at. Part of the problem with the whole infidelity issue is that a person becomes no longer content at home. So what do they do? They go looking somewhere else. Be content with where you are at. Be content with with where God has put you and in which situation the Lord has put you. 
So then that brings us to verses 25 to 38, where he's going to talk again about the whole issue of singleness and the issue of ministry. So he's going to talk about the unmarried, and he's going to talk about widows. So notice with me verse 25. Here's what Paul writes. Now concerning the betrothed. Now betrothed would be those who who have been committed to being married. They're not fully married yet, but they're the ones who have been committed to be married to someone. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the Lord as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who does marry his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. All right, so let's take a look at what's going on here. First of all, he gives us a directive in verse 25. Paul gives instructions from his perspective, not from the Lord directly. So he makes it very clear that he's not given a command here. He's basically speaking as an apostle of Jesus Christ, and what he says is trustworthy. So it's not a command, but he wants to give them some guidance. So what does he tell them? Verse 26 and 27, he tells them to remain as they are. Because of the nature of the times, they are to remain as they are. Now, what do you mean the nature of the times? Well, remember, in Paul's day, they thought that Jesus was coming. They, they don't have our understanding that Jesus has not yet come for 2,000 years. But in Paul's day, they would be thinking that Christ is coming just as we are thinking Christ is coming soon. 
So because of that, he's saying because of the nature of the times and the difficulties and the struggles of this world, stay single. That's what he's talking about. Remain as they are. But if you're going to get married, look at what he says in verse 28. Those who marry do not commit sin. So the reality is here is what he's saying is if you marry, you're not sinning. It'd be better if you stayed single considering the times that we live in. But if you marry, you're not sinning. Either way, what he tells us in verses 29 through 31 is that we need to live for the eternal. What do you mean? Whether single or married, they should not focus on the temporal. So whether we're married or single, our focus shouldn't be on the temporal. That is right now. We need to have an eternal focus. We need to live beyond the moment. The problem is for most of us, including myself, we live for the moment now. We live for our plans and our dreams and what we have to accomplish and do and the difficulties that we struggle with right now. Paul's saying, no, no, live not focused on the temporal, but focused on the eternal. Now, having said that, verses 32 to 35, he's going to say that for a married person and a single person, there's going to be a different level of difficulty there as far as our focus on the eternal. What do you mean? Well, he says that a single person can focus on serving the Lord. A single person, he says, can be anxious for the Lord, can be wanting to serve him, can be focused on the Lord. A single person can do that. But a married person a married person has their focus on their spouse. So the wife has her focus on pleasing her husband. The husband has his focus on pleasing his wife. That's only natural. Paul's not saying that's wrong. That's just the way it is. And so he again reiterates that my instructions, that is Paul's instructions, are given to help our service. He's only trying to help them function in this world, whether married or single. So then verse 36 to 38, he gives some more instruction concerning singles. And here's what he says. It's okay to marry or remain single. That's just reality. It's okay to marry or remain single. The person wishing to remain single has done the right thing. So what is he saying here? So he's saying if you're a single person and you decide, okay, that's it. I'm going to be single now. I'm not going to marry. I'm just going to focus on the Lord. He said, you're doing a good thing. It's okay. Now, then that brings us to the, I thought you said we're going to talk about widows, George. Well, that's what we're going to see here in verses 39 to 40. He's going to mention the issue of widows here in verses 39 through 40. Look at what he says. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. All right, so what is he saying here? Well, first of all, he's going to talk about the nature of the marriage bond. We already know this. Marriage is a lifelong contract or covenant between husband and wife. You've heard people say that, one man, one woman, one lifetime. That's the reality. It is a lifelong covenant that is established between man and woman. They become one flesh, as the scripture says. 
However, he's going to point out that there are some instances that happen. In this instance, it's an issue of being a widow or a widower where your spouse has died. So he talks about the issue of remarriage for a widow or widower. In verse 39, the widow is free to remarry. So the widow can enter into a marriage covenant with somebody else. And so what do you mean by that? Well, look at verse 39. Here's what he says. The wife is bound to the husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes. She can marry whoever she wants. But he does give one condition. What do you mean one condition? They can only marry a believer. You can get married, but you can only marry a believer. Wow, are you, are you kidding me, George? Is that there? Yeah, Paul would later talk about that in 2 Corinthians, talking about that Christians should not marry an unbeliever. In 2 Corinthians, his second letter, verse chapter 6, verse 14, he writes, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? You're not to be unequally yoked. And how is that? When you talk about a believer and an unbeliever, they're not equal. Why? One is saved and has a relationship with God. The other is condemned and going to hell who has no relationship with God. One is a part of the family of God, a child of God. The other is an enemy of God. So, they can only marry a believer. They can, they're free to marry, but they can only marry a believer. But then he points out in verse 40 that, again, he wishes that they remain single. It's okay for a widow to remain single. And having said that, he says that he has the Spirit, meaning he's trying to share with them from the perspective of somebody who is being led by the Spirit. So that kind of wraps up the whole discussion that Paul is having here about marriage and singleness. So what can we take out of this? Well, I think one of the big things that he's going to try to get you to understand is being content. We saw that in the first part of our lesson today. Being content with where God has placed you in whatever the circumstances in the situation. But if you can't find yourself in a situation where you can be happy and you need to get married, it's okay. You can do that. But like in the instance of the widow, you're free to marry, but marry a believer. That's the point he wants you to see here. Now, next week, we're going to get into chapter eight, and we're going to talk about, again, about the issue of freedom. And he's going to specifically focus on food that has been offered to idols. And again, this is obviously a question that they are wrestling with. And so we're going to look at that next week. 